Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. We have uh, kind of our, our study for tonight as I'm doing topical on Wednesday nights and, and just trying to hit some important things of, of doctrine, important points of doctrine, so we know what we believe and, and why uh, we uh, believe it. Um, and it, I'm going to use, it's probably not a great analogy, but I'm going to use this analogy anyway, just because I couldn't think of anything better. I don't know if you've ever read the, the story, but you've definitely heard of uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's book, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And you know that it tells the story of a man who had uh, found, or he created, I mean, he made a way to create two different personalities. He had, he had two different natures within him that were separate from one another, but they were in one man. These two natures didn't mix at all, and yet they were found in this one same man. And for the rest of the characters in the books, it was hard for them to wrap their mind about that, around the fact that someone could have such two different, disparate kind of natures in the one man. Well, Christianity holds to a similar mystery, although obviously there's no evil part like the Mr. Hyde part in, in this, something that Scripture um, proclaims, something that we hold to, and something that just makes us even fall, if it's possible, fall more in love with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's the fact that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has two natures in the one man. It's hard for us to understand. We are hard-pressed to come up with the words. But it's a glorious truth that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is man. He is human. He is fullness of both. We know the concept. We accept it if we're Orthodox Christians, we accept it. And yet, you know, when you, when you think about it, and you try and kind of get to the nuts and bolts about it, we have a hard time maybe putting it into words, hard time explaining how one person could have these two natures that are complete opposite, divine and human, and yet there it is. And that is what allows him to be the mediator of the covenant between God and man. That is what brings us our salvation. Now, you know, we've been looking at the doctrines that we believe as given to us by the different creeds and confessions. And I talked about last week how, how, how Jesus is our mediator. He's our go-between. He's the one that, that, that has gotten rid of the, 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 really the war, we could put it, the war between God and humanity. And he brings peace between God and humanity for those who believe. And Jesus, to be this mediator, had to be both God and human if he was going to represent the interests of both those parties. But you know, it, just like everything else that might be, you know, we, we have it in our brain, but we, ha we might have a hard time explaining. We, we walk carefully, 
so we don't run into the danger of, of committing some sort of heresy. You know, it's like trying to explain the Trinity. You know, you just walk carefully. There's, there's one Godhead, there's one nature, but there's three persons, but there's only one God. Don't, don't wanna go much farther than that, because that's what scripture tells us. Well, here's Jesus, he is both God and man. What in the world does that mean? Well, we'll begin by looking at what the Second London Baptist Confession says and how scripture uh, attests to this truth. And what it says, is that the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, is truly and eternally God. He is the brightness of the Father's glory, the same in substance and equal with Him. He made the world and sustains and governs everything He has made. When the fullness of time came, He took upon Himself human nature with all the essential properties and common weaknesses of it, but without sin. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. The Holy Spirit came down upon her and the power of the Most High overshadowed her. Thus, he was born of a woman from the tribe of Judah, a descendant of Abraham and David in fulfillment of the scriptures. Two whole, perfect, and distinct natures were inseparably joined together in one person without converting one into the other or mixing them together to produce a different or blended nature. This person is truly God and truly man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and humanity. I know, clear as mud almost, it sounds like, but here is the truth. Jesus Christ has two natures. What a beautiful thing. Yes, trying to, trying to make it come together might give us a bit of a headache, but we, we just peel back these layers of truth. We, to truly know Christ, we must know this fact. Jesus is God and Jesus is man. And not just that, he is fully God and fully man. The confession begins by explaining that, that Jesus is the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, and is truly and eternally God. We know this because we're told in John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 that in the beginning was the Word, referring to Jesus, and the Word was with God and the Word was fully God. The Word was with God in the beginning. And it is said of him in Hebrews 1.8, I mean, he says of the Son, your throne, O God, he's calling Jesus God, the Son God, your throne, O God, is forever and ever and a righteous scepter is the scepter of your kingdom. Jesus is 100% God. And he does not, it's not how some might claim that he's a lesser God. You know, you have God the Father, but then you have Jesus. Jesus is not lesser. He has all the characteristics and the existence of the Godhead. He lacks in nothing that makes God, God. And because he is God through that divine nature, he is able to reveal God to humanity. He is the ultimate revelation of God. We're told in Hebrews 1.3 that the Son, who is God, is the radiance of his glory and the representation of his essence, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. And so when he had accomplished cleansing for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he sustains all things. See, it, the works of God are attributed to Jesus. 
For example, in John 1.3, I mean, you know, in Hebrews 1.3, it said that he sustains all things. Well, John 1.3 says he created all things. All things were created by him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. And so if we say we want to know God, we look to Jesus. Jesus is God. He created the universe. He sustains the universe. Anything that can be said about God and about the Godhead, we can say about Jesus. But God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, is unique in that he took on a human nature as well. When the time came in human history for this part of the plan of redemption, Jesus took on a human nature. And so Paul tells us in Galatians 4.4, when the appropriate time had come, God sent out his son, born of a woman, born under the law. We are also told by John in that wonderful prologue that just talks about the wonderful glory of Jesus. In John 1.14, the word became flesh and took up residence among us, dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. We saw his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, who came from the Father. The word became flesh. And just like, as I said, that everything that makes God, God is found in Jesus Christ. Everything that makes a human, a human, God the Son took upon himself, meaning he had a human body, he had a human soul, he has human emotions. There's only one area that he did not take, and that is sin. He did not have sin. He was born without sin. He lived without sin. He was the sinless one, so that when time came for his great sacrifice, he was able to take the sins of the world upon himself and pay that penalty. But we're told in Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest that's incapable of sympathizing with our weaknesses because he's human, just like us. He is one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he is without sin. So, I mean, how did this happen? How could this be? I mean, we, I mean, we might not know the fullness of the how, but we have it explained to us in Scripture. And so, uh, when, the, when Gabriel came and talked to Mary and told her that she is blessed among women because she was chosen to give birth to the Messiah, we're told in Luke 1.35 that uh, he told her that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, therefore the ch child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. Of God, And so the Holy Spirit conceived the child in Mary's womb. The divine took on humanity. And because he is human, he has ancestors and he is a descendant. So he is a descendant of Adam. He is a descendant of Abraham. He is a descendant of Judah. He is a descendant of David. You know, for many years I've worked on my genealogy and, you know, I have ancestors all over Europe, England, and Germany, and Ireland, and Scotland, you know, just all, all over the place. And, and just like I have a human ancestry, Jesus has a human ancestry. I mean, we have his genealogies listed for us in Matthew and in Luke. 
If Jesus were to be the savior of humanity, he needed to be human. And that's what the writer of Hebrews explains this to us in Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 17. He said, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he likewise shared in their humanity so that through death, he could destroy the one who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and set free those who were held in slavery all their lives by their fear of death. For surely his concern is not for angels, but he is concerned for Abraham's descendants. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in things relating to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. Well, since humanity is flesh and blood, Jesus had to be flesh and blood. Jesus had to be fully human. He had to be God. He had to be human if he was going to be the savior and mediator for those who believe. And as the confession states, the two whole, perfect, and distinct natures were inseparably joined together in one person. He is 100% God and 100% man together in this one person, as Paul said in Colossians 2.9, in him all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. But now, you know, the confession had to say some things to battle some heresies of their day. You know, our day and age is not the first day and age to have heresies and people go apostate and all sorts of crazy false teachers and things go around. Ever since the birth of the church, we have been battling false teachers. And, you know, some, when, when it comes to Jesus Christ, we need to be very precious. We, we protect what we believe about Jesus Christ and ain't nobody gonna mess with our Jesus. Somebody starts messing with Jesus, you better look out. And so the Puritans who, who wrote this particular confession, they said, we, we, we're not having this. And, and so the confession had to fight against these certain uh, you know, heresies that, that twisted the truth of Jesus's person and his nature. The confession says, that these two natures are joined together without converting one into the other or mixing them together to produce a different or blended nature. So when the divine nature joined with the human nature in the person of Jesus Christ, it's not that the divine nature lost some parts in order to take on humanity. And it's not that the human, human nature had to lose some parts in order to accommodate the divine nature. It wasn't a matter of taking some parts of the divine nature, some parts of the human nature, and putting them together like a puzzle. The two natures remain unique and distinct without losing anything, and yet they come together in one person. Again, a little mind-blowing, but this is what Scripture tells us. This is what makes our Savior such a wonderful Savior. But there were many heresies in, in church history. So there was this one heresy by a monk named Eutychus, and he said that Christ's natures were so thoroughly combined, in a sense, they were scrambled together, that the result was that he wasn't really human or divine, <laughs> you know, 
I mean, that the, the, the two natures came together and like the scrambled eggs we ate tonight, they just, you know, it was just a big mishmash of stuff. Well, that's not gonna do anybody any good. I mean, this, this implies that Jesus is neither God nor man. And so he wouldn't be able to be a mediator. He wouldn't be able to save us from our sins. That is not what scripture tells us. There was another heresy called monophysitism. I know that, that sounds like you need to get some antibiotics to, you know, get that fixed. What's wrong with you? I got monophysitism. So, but what this, what this heresy says is that Jesus's two natures combined together and they made one new one. It, it, you know, there, there was no longer a divine nature, there was no longer a human nature, there was some sort of third hybrid of the sort. The problem there again is, well, he's no longer God and he's no longer human, he can't represent God, he can't rep, rep, represent man. He's this new third thing and there, there's no thing that, like that that exists, so he represents no one. And, and so again, he would not be able to me, be mediator. He wouldn't be able to be savior. But then you had a, another heresy that went kind of to the, to the other extreme, Nesoterianism. You know, they couldn't just use little tiny names to call, to call these things. But anyway, what this one stated was that the divine and the human natures of Christ were so separated that they never were in contact with one another. Well, how would he be, a, I mean, does he have multiple personalities then? I mean, how, how, how does that work? He wouldn't have been able to, to claim to be God if he only had the human nature over here and the divine nature was elsewhere. When, he, when Jesus accepted the worship of man as God, he was being blasphemous if he wasn't God. And so there's just a lot of things that conflated the truth about who Jesus Christ is. Now, the orthodox belief, again, it's not another hard term, but they call it the hypostatic union. What in the world does that mean? Well, the word hypostasis is Greek for individual existence. So by saying it's a hypostatic union, it's saying that there is one individual existence, one person. There's only one person, there's only one Jesus. But within that one person is the union of the two natures, a divine nature and a human nature, and neither one loses anything. He, it, it's, it's not like, okay, well, 50% divine, 50% uh, human nature coming together. And you know, and that creates the person we call Jesus. No. Rather, it's 100% divine nature, 100% human nature in the one person who is Jesus, the Messiah. Now the math might not add up, but the theology does. And that's all that matters. Doesn't matter about math. He is 100% human, he is 100% man. But but then how did that come across when he was on earth? How did these two natures in his person come across during his earthly ministry? Well, it's somewhat explained in Philippians chapter two, verses six and seven. It says of Jesus that he existed in the form of God. He did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, to be held onto, 
But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men, and by sharing in human nature. So he was God, and then he took on, the, he took on humanity. Now we have to be careful in verse 7 of Philippians 2, because where it's translated emptied himself. Because again, there's a lot of false teachers that kind of run away with this. So, so that like they, they try and say that somehow Jesus removed the divine nature from himself. Or they might say that he removed his access to the divine nature, but that's not what it's saying. I, I think it would be better understood if we would say that Jesus' divine nature was veiled in the humanity. And Jesus was willing to limit himself in some ways, but in, in no way, shape, or form did he ever lose the divine nature, in no way, shape, or form did he ever lose access to the divine nature. In fact, if you consider this, the, the, the passage about the Mount of Transfiguration. We could say that on the Mount of Transfiguration, the veil was lifted and the divine was revealed in the human. And so the divine and human together. And, and, and here's another consideration as, as I close this study. Jesus is going to be the God-man for all of eternity, he will forever be both God and man because he's gonna forever act as our mediator. And so this is what we have to look forward to. We get to have fellowship with the God who became man to save us. I mean, think of this. We, we take our last breath. We are escorted to heaven and we get to behold the face of the God, man. And if you ever questioned if Jesus loves you, if you ever wonder, oh, does Jesus really love me? Things are going hot, rough in life sometimes and we wonder, does Jesus really love me? Just remember, he willingly stepped out of heaven took on humanity. He suffered and died so you could be his prized possession for all of eternity. That's how much Jesus loves you. So yes, I guess the children's song is very true. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The Bible tells me who Jesus is and what it is that he did in order to save me. So no matter what is going on in your life, you can rest in Jesus, the God-man, our wonderful Savior. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. 
We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.